0: Hello quarantine! Welcome to this special festive edition of the House Music Podcast with me, Steve Pretty. It's nice to be back just for a little Christmas uh, visit Um, and look I'm not going to add any more words to the reams that have been written and said about uh, this completely bananas year but suffice to say that I'm recording this from the UK just before Christmas and things here are rather bleak. Um, I do hope that you and your loved ones are all keeping safe and sane wherever you are and uh, that you've managed to have a nice Christmas somehow or other. Uh, Excuse the radio silence on this podcast uh, feed, or podcast silence I suppose, but I promise that this podcast will return in some form or other as soon as possible. It's been a bit of a crazy year, as we all know. Um, We're working on some extremely exciting ideas to really step things up, so watch this space. Uh, Speaking of space... Today's special festive mini-episode features an absolutely amazing guest. It is none other than test pilot, author, astronaut and singing spaceman, Commander Chris Hadfield. Um, Chris and I first met through the shows that I do with Robin Ince and Brian Cox, and I've been fortunate enough to work with Chris in this capacity Many times now. Most recently at the mad 24-hour show that Robin and I did in mid-December 2020. And you can see a lot of that show on YouTube. It's being broken up into one or two-hour chunks. So you can dip in there. And I've done some crazy stuff with musical robots. And as I say, played with Chris Hadfield. Uh, Lots of amazing stuff there. So do tune in. Uh, Now, Chris is a fascinating generous and extremely impressive individual with an amazing list of achievements to his name but it's probably through his version of david bowie's space oddity which was filmed on board the international space station when he was commander uh, that he found a, a new and wider audience i had an amazing chat with him not long after we played together at the hammersmith apollo way back in december 2019 when live gigs could exist remember that yeah and we covered all sorts of interesting areas in our chat, uh, so we might be dropping some more excerpts of this interview in future. But meanwhile, this little bit is a chat we had about how his career as an astronaut and his love of performing and writing music developed together. Uh, and it's followed by a beautiful festive song that Chris first performed on the International Space Station at Christmas some years ago. Enjoy the interview. Merry Christmas. And we hope to return soon. Stay safe.
1: I uh, I decided to be an astronaut when I was nine years old. That's about the same time I bought my first guitar. My brother and I were at an auction sale and uh, a farm auction, which is fairly common in Canada. And... Um, in amongst all the tractors and household goods There was this old acoustic guitar Went up for sale And we bought it for $5 And, and that was the very first instrument we bought and, the, and I taught myself my first chords on that guitar But at the same time I was dreaming of flying in space I've taken a guitar with me Everywhere I've ever gone I I thumbed around Europe for six months And dragged an old Yamaha FG-180 To the top of a mountain In Narvik, Norway And... <laughs> and um, and to Turkey, and and all across Southern Europe, and um, uh, I lived at the bottom of the sea for a while when I was training in astronaut um, preparation and had a guitar down there uh, that had to be taken apart and brought down to the bottom. So I've always had a guitar with me, but it was really the the pursuit of uh, exploring space that drove a lot of my decision making. And I I became an engineer and uh, joined the Air Force and became a pilot. And then I was a fighter pilot um, in the height of the Cold War, intercepting Soviet bombers over the North Atlantic. And then I went to test pilot school. Mm. And um, several of my test pilot friends also became bandmates. Uh, Rick Husband, who was the commander of Columbia... Right. Uh, when it came apart that everyone died in uh, February of 2003. He made his way through school as a singing waiter uh,
2: really?
1: at uh, yeah, at Texas Tech. And, uh, and, and he was very active in his church and a big, strong uh, choir kind of voice mm. as well. And Rick and I sang and wrote music together at, at Test Pilot School. And Susan Helms, who... I think she flew all of the shuttles, and um, she lived on the space station when I visited there on my second space flight. She was a terrific keyboardist, and, um, and so we all played music at test pilot school, and then uh, all of us got selected as astronauts, all coming from different backgrounds, and uh, I, f- I was an astronaut, active astronaut, for 21 years, and um, flew in space three times, and was NASA's director in Russia helped build two space stations up in orbit. Um, did a couple spacewalks from the space shuttle Endeavor, and then lived on the International Space Station for a little under half a year, and was the commander of the uh, of the International Space Station. So, uh, and went around the world about two thousand six hundred and fifty times. So wow! That's that's wow. my space background. <laughs> and then in music, um, I've always I played trombone in in school and bass trombone. But hardly anybody ever says, please play trombone. It's normally an accompaniment instrument at best. Um, But guitar is much more portable and a more complete orchestral kind of thing, so Mm. I've always had a guitar with me. And uh, it was only natural to try and have one on the space station. And I'm glad that um, the, the NASA medical health support team, the psychologists, and psychiatrists—they're the ones who put the guitar in the space station, not I.
0: And Is that it was right? Put up
1: there. It's a Larry Vay. It's made in um, Vancouver. Uh, it's a slightly undersized guitar, what's called a parlor guitar, and, and um, they bought it in the summer of 01, so 19 years ago, and they—or uh, they bought it in the spring of 01 and then launched it in the summer on Atlantis, and it's been on the space station ever since. Um, so uh, that musical instrument has been going around the world 16 times a day for um, 19 years. Uh, <laughs> and y- you could do the math. That's, a, that's you know, 100,000 orbits plus. And, um, and it's been played by a generation of astronauts, self-included. And, and I played up on the space station much as I do on Earth. I played uh, as often as I could, um, often in the evening when things were quiet, when... When uh, things had settled down, when I was trying to explain my own thoughts to myself, mm. it's nice to bring a guitar into your hands. Um, and then I wrote and recorded a whole album of music mm. uh, late at night while I was on the space station, which is called "Space Sessions: Songs mm. from a Tin Can," and just recording it on board with a with a Garage Band mm. and a uh, and a floating microphone, you know, floating <laughs> weightlessly in front of me, and. Um, and then I, I played along with uh, with some other bands from up in space with, uh, with the Chieftains. I did a song, and then wow. I played along with... I had a long chat with Neil Young from the space station, and it was funny playing Neil some of his songs from space so he could sing along with me. And um, and then uh, I, I covered a, a David Bowie tune that a lot of people have heard. I did a version of Space Oddity that hundreds of millions of people have since seen. So it's a nice way maybe to marry the two, the idea of what seems a remote and perhaps robotic, um, very clinical existence and recognize that it's extremely human and mm. shared and mm. uh, celebratory and, and uh, fun. And I think um, through the music that I wrote and played uh, on board the space station and then and then shared through social media, I think it helped people see what exploration is really like and and what what life on a spaceship is like and maybe
0: a little glimpse of what it's going to be like when we when we go even further mm. uh, to the moon and beyond i have two very nerdy music questions about that first of which is do, do you have to take up spare strings when you go to space <laughs> how does it work or uh, it, do well, they get thrown yeah, the hard, up
1: the hard part of putting a guitar up of course is the guitar itself but yes. as each subsequent astronaut musician comes up they, they think, well, what should I bring? Maybe some plectrums, you know, or, or um, uh, do we have the right pickup? You know, mm. you have to be worried about the electromagnetic environment on a spaceship, so you can't just bring anything. Um, but then strings. One of the beauties of a space station, and maybe it's your other question, is it's a better place for a guitar than on Earth because the humidity never changes. Mm the temperature never changes, and the air pressure never changes. Mm. You're in this very carefully controlled bubble. You're sort of like in a, uh, a guitar preservation case. That's where you're <laughs> living. And so the guitar... A very expensive stays, guitar preservation case. <laughs> yeah, it stays in tune very well. Um, so, so it's quite good for that, better, better than on earth. But... Uh, of course, strings get get a little tired and they mm. they uh, corrode a little bit, and so often a crew, as part of their personal kit, will bring up some musical uh, accoutrement like a new set of strings. So there were several new sets of strings. Up there, there's, <laughs> right. there's, there's there's everything you need. So uh, you know one a- one astronaut musician will ask a previous one, hey, what what all's up there? What do I need to bring? You know, I can just throw it into the little bit of
0: personal kit that you're allowed to
1: take up with you.
0: And so yeah it's essentially the the most expensive guitar case of all time uh, if if it's <laughs> sort of preserved up there well I, planet earth is I yes think, i suppose that's true I suppose yeah, that's true right. and and how the other my other question was really about the acoustic i mean how's the what's the acoustic in the space station like i mean obviously i've heard i've heard your, your fantastic album but i mean did you it must be quite a challenging place to to sort of record and or is it like singing in the bathroom
1: um, well if you um, if you go to a hotel and you get into your nice little hotel room. It's kind of peaceful. But if you think about the hotel, there's a, a, a temperature control system. There's mm-hmm. something controlling the power. There's an air recirculation system. There's all the pumps and the fans that are allowing the water to flow. In a spaceship, you're in the part of the machinery where all of those things are being processed. Mm-hmm. And it's noisy. If you go down to the basement and the, the, the bowels of, of any big building, it's a noisy mm-hmm. place. And you live in the bowels in a space station. You can hear all of those things, like like perhaps an infant in their mother's womb. You're constantly there with the gurgling and the heartbeat and the breathing and, mm. and the digestion and everything else. And, and so space stations are noisy. The ambient noise level is somewhat akin to maybe riding in the back of a bus. So it's a tough place mm. to record. And so I hunted around for the quietest little place I could find, that also had some privacy because I didn't want to inflict myself on the other crew members who were all busy doing what they're doing so I actually found the quietest place was in my little sleep pod the little uh uh, tiny sleep quarters which is uh about the size of a coffin I guess inside (laughs) um so if you could imagine a coffin with a sleeping bag and and, um, and that's and the but if you could imagine lying in a c- coffin and turning the guitar so it was sort of half parallel to your body and then having garage band uh, on on one side of the coffin next to you and and then a little microphone dangling in front of you that that's what it was like for recording all the music mm-hmm. that I did um, and because inside that sleep pod, I could close the little door and turn the fan down to a minimum. Mm-hmm. And it, it was uh, from an ambient noise level, the quietest place I could find, and uh, and so that's where I recorded all the music.
0: And it's and, and as you say about disturbing other other people, because of course you you work on shifts around the clock. Is that right? Or- uh, we don't actually. You don't. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I we, no,
1: um, not unless we have to. Right. We, we've tried, but we found it's more efficient. Um, for everybody to work uh, like a 16-hour day and, and sleep at the same time. But we don't always. But still, everyone, it, its your your time is, is scheduled by mission control mm-hmm. down to five-minute slices for the entire six months that you're there. What you're doing now, what you're doing five minutes mm-hmm. from now, five minutes after that. And the only real free time you have is when you're supposed to be asleep. And... Um, so that's often when we do things personal. You know, you'll steal mm-hmm. the first 2 hours of your designated sleep time to uh, take pictures out the window or mm-hmm. call your family or or write about what's happening or think about it or mm-hmm. study and get ready for the next day or play music. And and I and you're not there for yourself either. You're you're there on behalf of 7.7 billion other mm-hmm. people. So so you take it pretty seriously. Of course. And and I was very careful, especially as the commander of the spaceship, to make sure we got everything else done first. Mm. And we set records for the amount of science that we got done. And we even did an emergency spacewalk four days before we came home in order to save the station from a um, a big ammonia leak. So we still had lots of depth of reserve available, because I couldn't. It would have been unconscionable to. Uh, you know, to sort of sacrifice any of that just for a of personal course. pursuit. Yeah. But in in addition to all that, I also wrote and recorded an album and um, and shared shared it with the world. Uh, so. Uh, I so strug- to me, I, it, was, it was the right balance.
0: I struggled to, to finish an album here, and I'm a full-time musician. So I don't know how you did I was commanding a space <laughs> Well, it, it was
1: harder than that, Steve, because all I did on Orbit was uh, multiple tracks of voice and guitar. Mm. And it wasn't a, produced. And then when I got back to Earth after about two years, I was like, well, I've got all these recordings. Mm. What am I going to do with them? Yeah, sure. And so I took them to a producer friend. um, in Toronto, and uh, we added in some other instrumentals later uh, yeah. to my guitar and voice. We didn't mess with my voice and guitar because that was the space component, but uh, but uh, with with the rest of it, it, the album has done quite well. So I I, and I find it sort of it's the first complete uh, work of art I think ever um, conceived and created and. And finished off the Earth, and and so uh, kind of a, a interesting project to be part of, and and I'm really pleased that it captured uh, a moment in history and a moment in time. Mm. Here's Jewel in the Night, the very first and only space Carol, I guess.
2: So bright, Jewel in the night, there in. My window below, so bright, dark as the night, with all of our cities aglow. It's long been our way to honor this day and offer goodwill to men. And no. Wherever we go It's come round to Christmas again I'll jump to the bridge, here we go Love for the families that gather below Love for the stranger that you'll never know For those who aren't with you Wander above So bright Jewel in the night There lies the cradle we knew Home of All that we love And all of our memories too It shall be our way wander stray and take with us all that we know and never cease this message of peace from Bethlehem so long ago and never cease this message of peace from Bethlehem so long
0: happy christmas quarantine stay safe keep those musical brains and ears working and we'll be back soon